gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Who are you stealing? <laughs> what? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, or crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. We have to steal the the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) And Glenn Greening. You're still shouting, and it's really starting to annoy you would do well, Scott, to be a little more civilised in this instance. That's a very natural uh, dialogue, isn't it? It's an interesting <laughs> scene, that one, but I guess we'll get to that. I'm sure we will. Welcome, gentlemen. How are we? Well, yeah. Had a, an exciting weekend of uh, beer tasting at the Gabs, the Spectacular. Yes. Yeah, I, had a, I had an exciting weekend of working hard all weekend and then... Didn't sleep last night because my cat wanted to talk to me all night. Oh. <laughs> That's no good. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Yeah, what did you get? Uh, no, I, I didn't do much at all, actually. Uh, pretty quiet one. Weather was pretty cold and crappy, so best mm-hmm. just to stay indoors. But Hawthorne won, so that was exciting. I think <laughs> doesn't happen often these days, so that was nice. <laughs> so, and got to watch a fun movie. And National Treasure as well. Oh, no, no, I'm just joking. Yeah. Early, early, Glenn. Uh, just, Barbs just, have been was, thrown. It was right. I just had to had to jump yeah. in with that. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> no, no, all good. Uh, so yes, obviously this week we are doing the 2004 action adventure movie National Treasure. It was directed by John Turtletaw and stars Nick Cage, Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha, and Sean Bean. Uh, co-stars Harvey Keitel, John Voigt, and Christopher Plummer. Uh, it's the first of two National Treasure movies with a sequel, National Treasure Book of Secrets, released in 2007. Uh, and there's also a Disney TV series, National mm. Treasure Edge of History, which was released December 2022. We'll have to have a look at that. Yeah, I've had a look at the trailer. It doesn't look too bad. Harvey Keitel's in it, I think. Oh. Uh, playing his original character. Oh, good. I like uh, mm, yeah, yeah, I like Harvey Keitel. I'll have to check mm. it out. Uh, this had a budget of $100 million, made $347.5 million, so did pretty well at the box office there. Um, but reception was mixed for this movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has got an average score of 5.3, uh, with the general consensus reading that National Treasure is no treasure, but it's a, run, it's a fun ride for those who can forgive its highly improbable plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to argue. Metacritic's yeah. got a score of 40 out of 100, which seems slightly harsh. Uh, and IMDb, 6.9. Uh, and Roger Ebert, who's a famous uh, critic in mm. America, I think he's dead now. But, he um, Yeah, he gave it a 2 out of 4, oh, saying that gosh. it's so silly that, Mon- that the Monty Python version could use the same screenplay line for line. 
<laughs> which I just thought was a fun. When I read that, I thought, eh, that's pretty good. It's mm. actually probably not that um, wrong, actually. <laughs> what, was the, what was the audience reception of those? Like, you know, because um, who does the one with the I was Rotten Tomatoes? What was the audience score off that? Uh, ooh, now you're, now you're testing me, Michael. I know. I like to test I you. I didn't check that out. Uh, hang on. Just miss a number. I should, yeah. I should <laughs> Sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, ten. It was medic. ten out of ten. Oh, no, that's not what I wanted. No, I don't know, Michael. I'll have to come back to you on that. We'll Google it. Take that on notice. We might start doing. We should start doing that for future pods. So I do apologise. We will. Uh... Oh, I did it for knock knock. Didn't you? <laughs> Can you recall? I do. <laughs> I recall very much so. But no, I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah, sorry, I can't answer that. Um. All right. Michael, you chose The Leaper, which is Heidi Moneymaker, I do believe. Mm. Prolific uh, stunt did, coordinator. For yes. Why did you choose Heidi? Um, there's probably a couple of reasons. One, um, I was looking for a woman to pick, and so it was between... Uh, oh, who was the woman? What movie did we watch last week? John Wick 3. John Wick 3. So you could have gone Halle Berry. Yeah, and I was really close to Halle Berry. Um oh, Good. Yeah, but then I picked the um, the stunt coordinator, and she just had all these, all the Marvel films. Like you know, she was in there for that, and I <laughs> mm-hmm. thought, well, look, you know, let's um, let's really press Scott, see if we can get close to it. And you know, fortunately for all of us, National Treasure was in there as well. You know, and Nick Cage, our spiritual animal. Um, you know, I was excited for that too. So, there were, like, I guess the list of movies she had, there was none that I, I really didn't like. So, I it's thought actually, that'd be a good. Um, I just realised it's been a good season, this one, because we've had Keanu, Tom Cruise, and Nicolas Cage all, mm. like, close together, too. It's yeah. Not bad. Yeah. There's some lows in there as well, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've had... It's been mixed, I would have thought. Mm. But, um... <laughs> the So, you, I found that National Treasure, the audience score, is 76%. Ah. So, and, and that's, like, you know, again, that kind of difference between what critics are looking for and audiences... Correct. Um, can be like that's a difference between thirty percent in you know, in scores, and the forty six percent is off one hundred and seventy nine. Forty yeah, forty six is off one hundred and seventy nine critics reviews. The seventy six percent is over a quarter million ratings. Oh, so you know, statistically, the audience mm. score is far more valid. Well, true, but there's statistically there's more. Non-critics than critics. Well, yeah, so. but a quarter of a million people have gone, this is a 76% movie. True. So. Yeah, it's hard to judge on those because people often will only vote if they love or hate. You know, if they're really passionate about a score, they'll go log in and vote. You know, a lot of people won't vote every movie they... Like, if I love something, I might go on and vote. But if it's voting's not, voting's not compulsory, it shouldn't count. Yeah, well, I guess Michael <laughs> deliberately went on to IMDb. I think it was IMDb and gave Knock Knock a one, only because he couldn't give it a zero. Damn straight. But I bet you don't score every other movie on there. So Absolutely not. Mean. No. Yes. <laughs> no. So yeah, you can't really. Yes. Yeah. I need to make sure I warn other kind of viewers um, as <clears throat> any way I can not to watch particular films, and that was one of them. Jesse James is the other. Don't do it, people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, look, I, I chose this movie. I've, I've seen this movie many times, and um, I, I've always enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun ride, which we'll, mm. I'm sure we'll discuss later on. Yep. Um, yeah. 
so we'd all seen it, I assume. Number of times. Uh, I've got two answers to this <clears throat> question. I'm intrigued, Glenn. Because I've written for my thoughts when this was picked was that I saw this when it came out and it was a forgettable action adventure and no interest in seeing it again and similar to how I remember Sahara and hopefully I'm surprised again. Um, but then about a quarter of the way into this movie, I was like, I don't think I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching it and I'm like, because I remember when it came out, I remember people I know who saw it and talked about it with me, but I don't think I actually saw it. So, Ooh. yeah, I think this might have been my first time. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So that's a pleasant that's surprise a, right there. That was a, that was a surprise. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> All right, Mole, without further ado, throw to the trailer. Benjamin Franklin Gates, you are undertaking the duty of the family Gates to find the most spectacular treasure in history. It grew throughout the ages and moved across continents until it was hidden by America's founding fathers who left clues to the treasure's location right before our eyes. The unfinished pyramid, the all-seeing eye, are telling us something. Keeping this treasure safe, Benjamin, is your destiny. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. All his life, Benjamin Gates has searched for a treasure no one believed existed. Don't you get it, Ben? The treasure is a myth. Yeah, I refuse to believe that. But what he thought was the final clue... 108 years of searching and I'm three feet away. ...is only the beginning. The Declaration of Independence. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? The map is invisible. Why would we make this up? Where's your proof? We don't have it. Riley, get down! Did Bigfoot take it? Word about the map is bound to get out. Ian's gonna try to steal it. 90 seconds. The only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. What? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Ben? From producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director John Turtletaub. It is surrounded by guards and video monitors and little kids on their eighth grade field trip. You will go to prison, you know that, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, go! Get out of there. Get out of there now. He's got the bloody map. This Thanksgiving, the clues of ten generations... There's more to the riddle. We'll reveal a mystery 20 centuries in the making. Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel inside the tomb first? Tell me what the next clue is. What do you see? Nicholas Cage. National Treasure. All right, uh, I get to do the synopsis this week because I did choose this movie. As always, there will be spoilers, people. So if you do not want the movie spoiled, pause the pod, go and watch the movie. It's a fun ride. A little over two hours, probably a little bit long. But then come back and have a listen to our <laughs> wonderful scintillating review. All right. Mm. Benjamin Franklin Gates is an American historian, cryptographer and treasure hunter. When Ben was young, his grandfather, John, told him that in 1832... Charles Carroll passed on a secret to their uh, passed on a secret to their ancestor of a favoured treasure hidden in America by the Knights Templar. Um, yeah, their founding fathers and the Freemasons. Carroll's secret was a clue leading to the treasure. 
the phrase, the secret lies with Charlotte. While Benny's convinced by the story, his sceptical father, Patrick, dismisses it as nonsense. 30 years later, Ben and his friend, computer expert Riley Poole, head an expedition financed by wealthy Ian Howe to find the Charlotte, revealed to be a ship lost in the Arctic. Within the ship, they find a Meerschaum pipe uh, whose engravings reveal the next clue is on the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and I actually thought it was pretty cool the way they the way they found that with the pipe and mm. it would have hurt when he stabbed himself with the with the knife. But yeah, I thought that was well yeah. done. And that's always a question on that. But actually, really, the pl- prologue actually kind of sets it up really nicely. Like you know, um, that kind of that elder, that guide. I think that's the um, you know that does have a role in the hero's journey and like you know sets him on that path. And of course, then we've you know, and it also set up that family relationship with like his dad. Like when you when you think about the film as a whole, like afterwards, that must have been the night that there must have been an argument, and they're like, you know, nuts nah, over. I'm not looking for this one. It's destroyed our life. Like you know, you, you don't you don't think about it when it's there, but like you know, you think back through the movie, and that's I reckon that's the moment because it says goodbye. Like you know, say your goodbyes. We're not coming yeah. back. Yeah, it's so, a good point. Yeah. Hmm. They found that way too so easily. It's, I a, it's a nice setup. The Charlotte thing. They found it way too easily. They just, we need to find this. All right, there it is. And I was like, oh, is that, are we at the end now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I guess they knew, they pretty much knew where it was. They had a pretty good idea. Yeah. And that's, it kind of sets up Riley as quite the boffin. Like, you know, I've, and he, there's that sort of like, you know, oh, how do we know it's here in the middle of this like, thing? And, and he does have that, you know, sort of, long diatribe about how like you know yeah if i was an expert in in these things and maybe i would be able mm. to kind of solve that and like it kind of sets up oh where well, i am um so yeah i think you're not wrong glenn and i think this movie does have a, a series of contrivances mm. you know and all good adventure films do like you know there's nothing on the back of the declaration of independence you too? um Are you sure well, there's just that one line saying... This is original um, or whatever it is, yeah. Printed, printed in... Uh, yeah. Uh, the- <laughs> uh, oh, original Declaration of Independence dated 4th of July, 1776. Copyright of Disney. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Upside down. Um, when Ian reveals himself to be a crime boss and suggests stealing the Declaration, uh, a fight ensues and the group splits. Ben and Riley report Ian's plan to the FBI and Abigail Chase of the National Archives, but no one believes them. Ben decides to protect the declaration by removing it from the archives preservation room during a gala event. Obta- I dispute the crime lord. Well, thing. I think he's a special ops guy. He, I guess he does state that he's in his past he has made money, a lot of money in non-legal ways. So I don't think the yeah. crime boss wording out of Wikipedia is correct, but mm. well, maybe mercenary, but like you know, but yeah, definitely sort of special ops, sort of, um, you know, sort of spy sort of stuff. I don't know, but it, you know, it, I never got crime no, off him. I, I was, I always got a military background idea. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and his henchmen would suggest that yeah. as well. Uh, having mm. obtained Abigail's fingerprints. Ben successfully obtains the declaration, only to be spotted by Ian's group just as they break in to steal it. Ben tries to leave via the gift shop, but has to pay for the declaration when the cashier mistakes it for a souvenir (laughs) copy. Suspecting something amiss, Abigail confronts Ben and takes back the document. Ian promptly kidnaps her, but Ben and Riley rescue Abigail, 
tricking Ian by leaving behind a souvenir copy of the declaration. FBI agent Sadusky begins tracking Ben down. Going to... Oh, sorry. Never sorry, mind. go, Glenn. Oh, it's a question for later that I just thought of now, though. <laughs> Ooh, but it might be a question for now. Well, what is it? He he just bought the one Declaration of Independence for thirty-five dollars, and no. then he's out there. He's got mm-hmm. a second one. Did he steal no, one? No, I think. Or did he so buy it previously? He bought one earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I just yeah. assumed that he bought two at that yeah. stage because he had to put it on his credit card anyway. Mm. That was my theory, but you're right. He may have bought one previously because he does say, I thought we might have yeah. needed. Well, he, I think he actually talked specifically. He said, like, I'd already bought one and then I had to buy another one. It turns out there was the actual one, so you owe me 35 bucks. Like, he says <laughs> yeah, that to he does say that. the person yeah. that he's been, yeah. Um, but, yeah, because, like, he has the plastic slip for it to go in. So, like, he must have got that off mm. another one. I'm not sure she's the one that issues the refunds, but, yeah. <laughs> 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 cool, um, cool. Going to Patrick's house, which is Ben's father, the trio studies the declaration and discovers an Ottendorf cipher written in invisible ink. The message refers to Benjamin Franklin's silence do-good letters. Patrick formerly owned them, but donated them to the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. Paying a schoolboy, having got to Philadelphia, paying a schoolboy to view the letters and decipher the code for them, Ben Riley and Abigail discover a message pointing to the bell tower of Independence Hall. Pursued by Ian, they find a brick containing a pair of spectacles with multiple coloured lenses, which when used to read the back of the declaration, reveals a clue pointing to Trinity Church. Ian's associates trace the trio through Philadelphia until the FBI arrests Ben. Abigail and Riley lose the declaration to Ian, but Abigail convinces Ian to help them rescue Ben in exchange for the next clue. Ian agrees, arranging a meeting at the USS Intrepid, where they help Ben evade the FBI. Mm. The... um, There's something about that. No, I forgot. I do like that (laughs) sequence. Like, I really... I do enjoy Mm. the sequence on the, uh, the USS Independence. Like much of this movie, it's a little bit ridiculous at times, but... Oh, it's, it's absolutely steeped in its own law. Like, you know, the all the places, you know, are the, you know, they're all about that, um, uh, those founding fathers that they kind of mm. love and cherish over in the US. Ian returns the declaration mm. and asks for the next clue. But when Ben remains coy, Ian reveals he has taken Patrick hostage. They travel to the Trinity mm. Church where they find an underground passage that appears to lead to a dead end lit by a lone lantern. Patrick claims it is a reference to the midnight ride of Paul Revere, pointing Ian to the old North Church in Boston. Ian traps Ben, Abigail, Riley and Patrick in the chamber, heading for Boston, which was Patrick's intent as the clue was fictitious and he knew that Ian would betray them. Ben then finds a notch in the, with, sorry, finds a notch the Mishkam pipe fits into, opening a large chamber containing the treasure with a staircase to the surface. Ben contacts Sadusky, who is actually a Freemason, and surrenders the declaration and the treasure's location in exchange for letting Abigail go free, giving the Gates family and Riley credit for the discovery and no prison sentence. On a trip, on a tip from Ben, the FBI arrests Ian for kidnapping and other crimes. Later, Ben and Abigail have started a relationship, while Riley is somewhat upset that Ben turned down the 10% finder's fee for the treasure, 
so the entire collection could go to museums. But the 1% he did accept still netted them all significant wealth. End. Move. Mm. Finn. Skipped up every couple of key moments. Well, eh? it, look, hey, yes. Wikipedia. Take it up with them, Michael. Yeah. need to make them a donation. I think we might have to. We might have to donate so we can get. We have to start doing our own. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think there was, there was an interesting part. The um, uh, because they 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 send off um Ian in that first space, and it's like no, there's nothing here, and then they they press the button, like he finds the the eye. And he presses the button, and then they they go into the room, and then there's mm. another fake room, and it's like you know. Then they had this emotional moment about, you know, that's right. It's you know, I'm proud of you. It's real. We know it's a thing. Mm. Like we won't. But like, the treasure's they, gone. I think it was a mm. really big, yeah. Like it was a really interesting part with um, the John Voight's character who was Patrick, um, and like you know, suddenly it wasn't like you know, this is all, a f- you know. It's kind of like, you know, you've vindicated our family. I thought there was, like, a nice sort of emotional scene with that. So, and then it's kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, we've got this thing. And that's what was nice about that is because it comes back to the Charlotte, mm. like, you know, with that sort of that pipe. So, like, you know, you know, you couldn't have done the whole thing with without being it's at a the secret Charlotte. secret rest with Charlotte. Hmm. So. Mm. So, yeah. Finn. Finn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cast and... Characters, we'll start going through our categories. Um, so we're going to do this a little bit different this time. We're going to sort of probably look at the main actors within or actresses within the movie and, and probably just discuss them uh, as a general as a co- general collective. Um, so Nick Cage, what were our thoughts on, on our spirit animal? Um, he plays, like, he's, he's always an interesting smart man to watch. Um, you know, like he's he because he's got that eccentric kind of vibe to him in some ways. He can pull off eccentric, like you know, was um oh smart, mm. like you know, like educated and and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so I I enjoyed the performance. Um, and it, you know, it's less kind of actiony than um The Rock, which you know was another yeah. time where he's playing like you know the um the virologist there. Um. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing outlandish with this one. It's just kind of Nick Cage, sort of, you know, middle Nick yeah. Cage. <laughs> Glenn, I've just got that he's barely more than one dimensional character, and um, that his motivation is very quickly rushed over and doesn't feel genuine. Um, for for me, he was just yeah, Ooh, barely barely more I than one dimensional. I dispute the I dispute the motivation. It's kind of pretty. Like you know, driven from the whole thing that he's trying to, you know, find it so he can be the discoverer. Like that's that motivation is pretty strong throughout the whole film. Yeah, but you don't, you just see one scene of him as a kid, and then all of a sudden he's this guy looking for this one thing. Nah, the the ice, like you know, when they're traveling across the ice, I think they're talking about it as well. Um, and he, you know, has that uh, discussion with Abigail Chase. So it, it, I think it, it, you know if you watch it again, I know it's your only your first time watching it, Glenn. <laughs> um, I think it does pop, uh, pop up a number. While of times, we're talking about so. Nicholas Cage, I'll, my other note is him and um, Doctor Chase no chemistry at all, and how they end up together, I just I'm so confused. Like they just did not look at all happy to be together. Like when they kissed, it just looked 
I mean, I know it's not real when people kiss on film usually, but gosh, it looked like they just didn't want to be doing it. <laughs> yeah, you can say it's probably more of just a plot device that they get together and it's a happily ever after sort of thing as opposed to, I don't think it was really earned. He was just telling her, he was yelling at her the whole time. He's like, you talk too much, shut up, you know, the whole time, the whole movie, he's just telling her off a a bit of gaslighting. You're a bit chatty, you're a bit talking too much. He's like just a normal person who's talking like a normal person. But anyway. (laughs) I don't think she's actually that chatty. No, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I don't mind Nick Cage. Maybe that's a writer thing. Um, Yeah, he's obviously got the action star ability, but he's also got that, like you were saying, Michael, he's got a weird vibe about him. So he can play that nerdy, weird guy. And I think in this movie he does it really well. Um, he, he is able to make his intelligence believable. Uh, and I thought his, his line mm. delivery, yeah, he had some f- good funny moments and some comedic moments there, um, as well as being able to carry off all the action stuff. So I thought he was quite good. Diane Kruger, um, I can't say I've seen her a lot in that I can think of. I know she's in Inglorious Bastards. Um and I enjoyed her in that. And in this, I actually enjoyed her. I think she's one of the highlights in a lot of ways. Um, I thought she mixed it well she was in tro- with um, with Cage across across it. I thought she mixed in with the action quite well. Yeah, she, her, her comedy was quite good. And, yeah, I thought she also I'm, came I'm across robbing, that. I'm robbing my, my trivia. Sorry to interrupt, Scott. Um, she did most of her own mm. stunt work in that car chase scene. Like, that's, you know, kudos to that. Um, but I do, I do think like yeah, she that chemistry was kind of not quite there. Um, yeah, but otherwise, like she was interesting. I think it would have been you know nice to play her intelligence and her knowledge of all that a little bit more. Um, but I guess that, you know it was a vehicle for um, Ben mm. Gates, Ben Franklin yep. Gates. Glenn, no, I don't really have any notes for her other than that no no chemistry with Nicolas Cage. She was nice enough, like. Yeah. Yep. But um, no, no complaints. Does but, anyone ever have chemistry with Nicholas Cage? Well, that's, anyone... Yeah. Well, maybe that's a thing. <laughs> mm. Trying to think. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi does in Con Air. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, hang on. What's his name? Um, what's his recent film? Trisha Poe. What's her name? Uh, Monica Potter. They were. Well, they never really shared a scene together, or not much of one. So that's probably not right. Uh, Pedro Pascal oh. has really good chemistry with Nicolas Cage and the unbearable weight of massive mm-hmm. talent. Yep. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like um, sometimes, yeah, maybe it's just it, it might be him more than anything else. Bit of a Tom Cruise because he's sort of similar. Justin mm. Bartha. God, he was. Yeah, funny. I enjoyed him. Who's that? Is that the? Is that <laughs> the side Riley? He was that. That was Riley. Yeah. Uh, just such. <laughs> Dry comic relief. It was. I. I mean, Glenn's gonna hurt, but I. I really yeah, enjoyed, I enjoyed it. him. I um, he's a good character. Yeah. Glenn, not a fan. Uh, I've, uh, my notes just say that he, the character of the sidekick, was just not even one dimensional. Like there was nothing there at all, um, and he could have been killed off at any moment, and no one in the audience would care or notice. That's what I thought. I would have cared. He was just no. He was just there to say lines to get the story forward pithy yeah, lines that's yeah exactly just there to get the story forward not interesting not funny and this that's where this movie really stands out as needing a steve zahn type from sahara because mm. someone like See, that he wasn't, yeah, steve he wasn't was the steve zahn no he, he was needed the steve to be. Zahn. that's what that's yeah, what he absolutely. needed to be but he wasn't yeah 
I'd, I'd actually say the character archetype. They, he was the no, team's archetype. Very was, similar. There was like if you compare them. Not one joke. No, um, there's no human. I think mm. there were stacks no, of jokes. Albuquerque, snorkel. See, I can do it too. There was a whole. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was actually was quite like funny. A, I enjoyed Justin Barber. I was very, yeah, very pity. Um, uh, he was just oh, was there to say to something about anyone could have been in that room. I see, and and maybe you're partially right. Like I think adventures, by the nature of their story, um, they are trying to keep moving. I, like, you could not, put me in that role. Really, like, I could have been next to Nicolas Cage. You would have been amazing. The lines, like, and just as good. Absolutely, Pity. just as good. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I reckon I can play off Nicolas Cage too. You know, I'd, I'd make a great Abigail Chase. <laughs> Um, got the legs for it, Michael. I'm not as pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, I do not have the legs for it. I certainly couldn't do that stunt work. Sean <laughs> um, Bean? Or do you, sorry, do you still going with Justin Bartha, Michael? Well, I was talking. I was talking about the idea that like adventures sometimes don't have a lot of time to spend on character. Um, they don't have that, you know, lots of time to kind of really flesh them out properly. And they it does rely on archetypes and and tropes in some yeah. ways. I mean, so this is- yeah, I, I do see your point partially, Glenn. That you know. He's a bit one-dimensional, like you know, he's pithy and he's the tech guy, and um, like you know, these these set of tropes that don't go with the uh, like you know the Ben Gates one. Um, I think we see a bit more of him so, yeah. in the sequel, from what I can remember. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that. Is that called International Treasure, yeah. or is that no National Treasure? Book of Secrets. Oh, it'd be good to have International Treasure. I mean, anyway, mm, like they did Men in Black mm. for Sean Bean. What are our thoughts on Sean Bean? I thought he was very amiable, like for a villain. You know, yeah, it, he was. He was like, like at the start, he, it's kind of nice. Yeah, he, he was like, <laughs> "I'm going to steal it," you know. And Nicholas Cage like, "You can't steal it," and it's just like he just seemed like he wanted to get it, and he had to steal it. That was his only option. It wasn't like a bad thing, you know what I mean? But then all mm. of a sudden he starts shooting at people. I was like, "Oh, I didn't know he was." This bad. I thought he would, would steal, it but not hurt anyone. But he all of a sudden he's like yeah. really evil. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. He didn't it, come well, across I mean, like that. I would say, I, I'd say morally grey is probably the better description. Well, he's for trying him. to like, shoot you know, people dead. I mean, <laughs> which is morally grey, like you know. Um, so nice guy, um, <laughs> nice but like guy, you know, just trying to kill everyone who comes in his path. Yeah, I'd say you know chaotic neutral <laughs> for an alignment. Um, but yeah, I think it would not take much if you were to remake this film and you were to change the point of view. It would not make, take much to actually have him as the good guy. No, probably true. Yeah, like the the actual kind of, you know, when we seem like if you kind of, you know, like I don't know if you've ever seen a Wicked, but like it's that kind of you know point of view of the villain um, for like you know Wizard of Oz. And it has that whole kind of, you know, we follow, you know, um, the Green Witch or the Wicked Witch, Witch of the West instead, and we see her journey and then how that ties into actually what was going on with Wizard of Oz. Um, but I reckon it would not take much to kind of have Sean Bean's character, Ian Howe, do the same thing. Like, what if it was actually just trying to get this treasure to kind of do save a nation? I don't oh. know. <laughs> um, and, you so know, it's like a, um, the other guys just... It's like know, a Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai style... Uh sort of run with national well, treasure he left he left nicholas cage to die in that charlotte you know like we well, left him to die a couple evil. of times <laughs> i don't know how you can say that <laughs> yeah it's pretty but bad as, as an actor i liked i like sean bean uh, mm. i do enjoy him yep. and i thought he played his part well you're right he wasn't 
he wasn't really hated or you, he was easy mm. to like considering that he was the bad guy throughout. Um, and being that we're trying to keep it to five, we can throw it up either John Voight or Harvey Keitel. Either one I thought were pretty good in this. Glenn, preference? Of what? Either John Voight or Harvey Keitel. Oh, to talk about? I've mm. actually got, and for my notes, I've got the father was very good, the FBI guy was very good. Just, I've got nothing more to say, really. They, they <laughs> were both. Well, yeah, that's right. right. Well, really that, good. We'll just we'll wrap it up with that. That was nice. Uh, I was going to say that, I and then I was going to go to all my negative stuff. Um. <laughs> yeah. I think Harvey Keitel, like, as much as it was nice to watch, he's, like, it was pretty generic, the role, mm. um, you know, supporting role. But I think John Voight's, like, Patrick Gates kind of, I think, brought the most to that. As that sort of foil, like you know, that he had this rapid repeating motif, which well, is going to lead to his another character clue. Grew. It just his keeps character going. changed. Yeah, mm. like, yeah, and we and we see the arc at the end is like you know, I'm so I'm proud of you. Like you know, you persisted when you know I gave up and you know thought this was dead, but you you've done it. You've you've brought our name out of the mud as like you know a um, a family. Mm. Thanks, buddy. So you know, it was really nice to see that sort of that thing, and and um, you know. A different sort of John Voight. Sometimes you see him as other roles, and it's kind of like you know he's the villain or he's a different sort of thing. But this was like you know he was the jaded father, yeah. which kind of I always thought really yeah. worked. All mm. right, favorite. Oh, sorry. Other notable aspects. Oh, mm. have we done favorite scene? Oh, sorry. Fa- oh, well, no, we haven't. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. You're right. I was right scene. at the start. All right, favorite scene. Yeah. Glenn, I'll throw over to you first. Um, probably. A- a number of scenes between when he's trying to warn them that it's going to be stolen and he's saying to the Dr. Chase, I think it is at this point, um, in the office, um, oh, there's something on the back of it. And she's like, there's nothing on the back. He's like, there's a map on the back. It, when he says it's invisible, it was hilarious. <laughs> like, that's where we, <laughs> And that's where we lost the yeah. FBI. <laughs> and then the next thing that's, where they lost right, the other, that, was funny. That, was, that was a really funny scene. Like security. Yeah, that's um, what we, yeah. So I really enjoyed from basically that moment through to the whole heist stealing the um, Declaration of Independence through to the gift shop and having to buy it. That whole sequence I quite enjoyed. And that's where I'm watching the sequence going, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> I would remember. It was a really good. I would remember that. Like, that was good. Um, it was a really good heist. It was very, I mean, it was quick and very easy. Like, it, mm. so obviously, yeah. And maybe that's the contrivance, like, you know. That's like the only the, thing. That robbing yeah. the. The National Archive would be though so easy, but that the way it's put together mm. is is good. Like you know, like they explain how they're going to bypass it. Like you know, with that classic sort of you know heist. Yeah, just sticking um, a thing onto a wire. Tropes. Apparently, we can just cut the f- video. I don't know how that works, but anyway, um, yeah, it was just really quick, <clears throat> and I guess they got through that part of the story in a way that was exciting and mm. fun and quick, and you didn't really question it too much because they, yeah. No. Well, we need to get to the clues, yeah. like you know, and that's the what we, you know, we were doing an adventure. We need to get to the that ancient past. We need to kind of find out what they, you know they wrote the back. So you can't linger too long in that heist mode, otherwise you never really get the adventure part. And it's, it's actually part of one of my nodal aspects. But I like the cut between watching, you know, them prepare and you know start their part of the heist as well as Ian's part of the heist. Which, yeah, the mm. the, the quick cuts between the two as they're both preparing and going starting and going through it um and also i guess you know the the difference between the two where you've got you know ben and riley it's all about look where we'll go in we'll sneak in you know we'll steal it we'll look after it that sort of thing whereas ian's basically going i've got 
hand grenades and guns and we're just going to blast our way in sort of thing. So, Except they don't kill anyone. No. It's all tasers no, and, true. you know. Not from a lack of trying in terms of Ben, but, yes, you are correct. Yeah. Any others, Glenn? Mm, they weren't tasering the uh, Declaration of Independence with the bulletproof glass. They were shooting at that. but um, <laughs> No. But, you know, um, Ben's so annoying. <laughs> no, that was... Let's shoot that guy, tase the guard. That was my favourite, yeah, part. Um, yep. Mm, yep. Michael? Look, I really like the... There's those clue scenes, like, you know, so when they're kind of in um, Patrick Gates's house and they're kind of, you know, doing the... Like, trying to get the secret ink up. That was, like, you know, he was... Cause, and he didn't know it was a declaration of independence at that stage, so it's kind of like, you know, you got to do this. Um <laughs> And I kind of said he knows his, you know, knows his stuff as well. Um, and I guess there's a chemistry aspect that I really like to that too. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, the the FBI, like when he's captured by the FBI, is an interesting part. I don't, like that was kind of that's an okay sequence, but I think it, you know, it's it's one of those things. Where it's like you know, past, present, past, present, like you know, and that was like a present moment. Um, but then it lets us get into like that sort of trying to find like you know the stairwell coming down and that kind of thing and now i think when i first watched that was a really fun sort of space like being under the tricky church like you know they'd built this weird thing and that should no reason held up for so long and doesn't surely after um but i think yeah that that heist one was, was pretty good as yep. well and that sort of and the chemistry like the sort of decoding it stuff yep so, i had like the car chase when they first Steal the declaration, declaration of independence, Glenn. Just after your one, I thought that was quite a, a nice fun sequence. And then we get through it all, and they're like, "Oh my god, we've lost it." And he goes, "No, no, it's all right. I had a, I had yeah. a spare sort of thing." Um, the fun, the 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 foot chase through Philadelphia, I thought was quite entertaining. You know, you've got Abigail hiding; mm. they're going separate ways, <laughs> and yeah, you know, she's she, she's hiding in the I think it's a butcher's store, and the she's talking to the the storekeeper, and she's like. What are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm hiding from my husband or my ex-husband. And she goes, oh, he's a baldy. So I thought that was a nice, you know, like you had a bit of a nice action, but it was just a nice bit of comedic timing or comedic moment there as well. I want to add that scene to one of my favourite parts too. She was super funny. Yep. Um, Was that uh, Sharon Wilkins as Butcher Lady. I liked when Um, everyone was falling. Um, That was, was, you know, quite a a bit of a tense moment there. Oh, sure. He fell to his death. Well, after that, they sort of, most people still survive. Yeah. Um, but probably yeah, my favourite scene was where they light up the gold room, where they actually find it, and he puts the the torch into, like, he can see that it's like gunpowder, so he puts it in, and the whole room just lights up. But just the, the flames follow all the gunpowder all the way through, and I just thought that was a really well shot scene. And it's just mm. nice. It's that culmination of the of everything that, you know, oh, my God. It's very It's very the mummy. Like, you know, with the um, reflected mirror scene mm. and that kind of revealing the treasure yeah. space. Well, that was an, it's probably yeah. very similar to that, yeah. Yeah, although how all that fire didn't set something on fire. Wow. It's like, you know, it's like, what? Contrivance, <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> all right, other notable aspects. Michael, we'll go with you first this time. Um, I guess, like, this film really, it's, its awesomeness is probably the uh, mostly well-researched like history of it, like it, it is definitely in a lot of ways a love letter to you know America's past, um, and that I guess that's kind of a 
as not being American, that's harder to kind of engage with. Like you have to kind of take their word for it. And maybe there's, you know, in the trivia, it talks about a lot of these things being, oh yeah, that's where, you know, this is a, a place, you know, that's relevant to that. And, you know, but you just don't know that being like, you know, not being yeah. from there. Um, I think the, in terms, I think that they had opportunity to kind of do some um, nice cinematography like this, but it kind of isn't anything um, stand out. Like it's, it's very kind of, I suppose, function. Like, you know, it has that functional element over form. Like it's not looking for that aesthetic beauty that we saw, particularly in um, John Wick 3. Um, you know, that was, you know, when it was doing its like, you know, wider shots, we saw some beautiful setups, like, you know, like the actual kind of, and the noir kind of aspect with the kind of high contrast lighting and the composition. Yep. Um, that was actually quite cinematic as well as having all those action sequences. When, when we watch National Treasure, it's very functional sort of cinematography. It's trying to get, you know, what it needs to, mm. um, and include some of these historic moments, but, but you know, there's nothing, um, stand out about a lot of the, uh, shots. I think there's a few that are well composed and like, you know, um, you go, Oh, that's a really pretty shot, but there wasn't, uh, there wasn't stacks yeah. of that versus like, you know, particularly John Wick, I guess, having just watched that last week. Um, and you know, otherwise, you know, solidly cut, um, it has a nice, like we haven't talked about score for a while. It's like got a good, you know, score that kind of keeps you going and keeps that sort of that tension going yep. as well. So, yeah, those are my yep. thoughts. Glenn? Um, early early in the film, there was a lot of this weird, like, a shot and then it will quick rush, you know, like I don't know what you call it, a pan across really quick. A whip pan? Yeah, them. Oh, yeah, it's man, a whip I hate it. Looked, I was yeah. like, oh, man, yeah. this is terrible. <laughs> I'm already hating this. and uh, But that luckily didn't last long, which was good. Um, but generally, I don't really have any other aspects to talk about other than that. Didn't like a whip pan. I do those by accident when I'm shooting stuff. Sometimes I just kind of accidentally move the camera across somewhere when I'm stopping it or before I've stopped the thing. Mm -hmm. And then you start it again and you've just whip panned in. And then you go, oh, I can cut these together. <laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. I mean, it's harder to do with a cinematic camera. So generally planned for if you've got those big beasts yep. but yeah I don't know, sometimes they can be quite useful um i enjoyed the clue solving and you know the way they work things out and mm. had to think things through and obviously as you said michael a lot of it's probably foreign to us in a lot of senses in a lot of ways but i just yeah i just liked the way you know there's there was always the problem solving each time and it wasn't always mm. um nicholas cage or ben um yeah, we had Abigail helping out at times and even Riley helped out at times. Riley, And I did like that moment so where I go, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. I know something that you guys Is this don't. what you yeah. feel like all the time? <laughs> um, I loved how they did the glasses effect with those mm. multi-tone uh, lenses. Um, I thought yeah. that played really well. Um, and on that, I, mm. I think I said it before about the cuts between them when the teams are getting ready to steal the declaration. I enjoyed the way they were able to... Yeah, we'll be able to watch, Simultaneous them, yeah, cutting, watch cool. them both basically prepare and, and mm. start it, so... Yeah. Questions, queries, yeah. tidbits. This should be interesting. Um, okay, so the digital camera existed in 2004. So did... Why um, didn't Riley... Did sorry, so did torches, but, you know, they yes, batteries. So torches. <laughs> yes. And he had a torch one time, but no, no, we'll light the fire torch. And, and, and I've got a question to follow that too. But, um, he could, why didn't Riley just go in to the, like, the, the actual museum and take photographs of all of them and then go back to a computer, which he's very good at, 
and look at the letters himself rather than paying your kid dollars to go back and forth. It would have taken, <laughs> you've just gone snap, 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 snap. Computer, bang, done. Or, oh, no, actually, no, they found out that they kind of, I thought, you know, someone would have scammed them, surely, and put them up themselves, like, you know, internet search. I, I would have thought maybe that they don't go in and look at it themselves because they're probably wanted by yeah, the FBI. Good. One, they're yeah, wanted a, by him, but they're also wanted by the FBI, so going to a... And that, there's a very strong argument. Mm. Um, the the torch thing that Glenn brought up, absolutely spot on. Like, you know, they, they go in and they light up these torches. Now, I, as I understand it, like, generally they're dipped in a chemical. Like, these torches haven't been touched for, like, 200, 300 years. How do they light up? How do they kind of stay lit? Um, whatever is in that, um, that sort of those, I don't know, like the, the treasure room, like, you know, things that you love that look pretty, um... Maybe it was gunpowder, but gunpowder has a very short runtime. Like it sparks up and goes out, um, but that stays lit. So whatever fuel is in would there, have dried up. Yeah, no, oh, this isn't my question. Either dried up or degraded, or it wouldn't be there. I just don't understand. Unless it's just dust. Dust is being lit Can up. I, I'm I'd have to go back and look at it again, but I'm pretty sure that all the mm. all the channels are made of wood. So why mm. would you have things that are made of wood as the holder of fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're actually Maybe stone. they are. I, think, I, think I don't they're know. Stone, I, yeah, they looked, yeah. Still, but there was a lot of wood in that space anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once you light it all up, two things. How is the, the car pointed this out? You know, oh, you got all that fire. Um, where's the oxygen going? And like, you know, all the sort of all the gasket, like, you know, the smoke coming up. You know, yeah, we can get out. Pfft because of, like, you know, um, not enough oxygen and CO2 poisoning. <laughs> a couple of plot holes, I'm sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's probably more than one. Anything else? Uh, um, no, not that I can think Blaine? of. Okay, just a couple, but, I mean, they're all just stupid things like Michael's as well. Um, mm-hmm. How did they get back from the middle of nowhere after they got stranded at the Charlotte there in the middle of, like, ice landscape for as far as you can see? And those guys took away the what they arrived in, and then they just left there in the middle of nowhere with nothing to survive, and they just not even questioned. The next scene, oh, we're back home. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's a fair point, Glenn, because how did they get back so far, like you know, on par with those guys? Because you assume they've driven off, they've got their like their plane, they're back. You know, um, mm. Ian's taking his private jet. They should have been well into to the planning phase before. Nick and well, like you know, Riley and and Ben get back there, mm. like because they had to Good walk point. nine miles, you know. Hopefully, have someone who could drive them to an airport and then get back. Like they would have been a couple of you know, possibly yeah, days behind. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Um, Ian Howe probably could have had that all done. Mm. Should have come back to saying Declaration of Independence stolen. Bugger, we missed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, good point, Glenn. My other one was, I mean. Movies, you know, things just work out, don't they? There's coincidences, but gosh, the mm-hmm. little kid going in and reading the code at the exact same time as um, the, the bus passing by, as Ian or whatever, be, oh, seeing yeah. seeing yeah, him and it. seeing this kid, and it's like, how did you just happen to cross paths? Like, no, he's gone there out of mm. all the minutes of the day. He was there for one minute at the same time as that kid. Anyway, I thought that was a bit. And I guess that's the the whole, you know, again, one of the other contrivances the film sets up is that, you know, that's, these guys are competing in the same time mm. frame. Um, 
you know, even though Ben is the expert historian and Riley's the tech guy, um, Ian is not a dummy. Like, you know, they know how to Google, you know, silence do good, um, you know, and they could figure out, well, we need to go see those letters. Ah, they're at this museum because, you know, Daddy Dearest has uh, given them um, up. I've just got a couple more questions, but they're from Letterboxd. They're not my original questions. So they asked, Ooh, they're stolen, okay. just like cool. the Declaration of Independence was. Um, yes, fair enough. This is a good one. I liked this one. So it was, why did John Voigt, presumably living alone, have so many lemons? Yeah, I did. I actually did think that too. <laughs> Maybe he drinks Corona. Who knows? It's- yeah, he's a Corona lover. Or he's often actually practicing own invisible writing. Eats a lot of fish. It's like a hobby. Yeah, and um, this isn't really a question. I guess more of a statement. But yes, they discover the treasure, and it's a you know whole room of stuff. But maybe the real national treasure was the friends they made along the way. Yeah, <laughs> or the girlfriends he made along uh, the way. That's, I think that was Riley's problem. <laughs> you got the girl. Um, so for me, there's there's just a few. Um, is it really that easy to find out about all the inner workings of the national? gallery or national archives uh, and the security around the declaration if you've got a couple of days to spend in the library of congress maybe maybe yeah so this is one all right so ben and riley plan to get the declaration of independence into the preservation room and they do that by setting Mm -hmm. setting off a sensor Mm -hmm. all right which then sends it down makes sense Mm-hmm. To, to me, it makes sense. So yep. how is Ian going to get the Declaration of Independence? Because How does he know to get the preservation Because it was only in the preservation room mm-hmm. because Ben and Riley got it there because mm-hmm. they overheated yeah. the sensors. Yeah. So how, were, how was Ben actually going to go and get the Declaration of Independence? Because it wouldn't have been in the preservation maybe, room normally. Maybe that's why... Maybe that's how Nicolas Cage caught up to be at the same point. Maybe they were just waiting for it to be moved and they were just keeping an eye on it somehow and they were just waiting for it to be moved and that's when they made their move. I don't know. Ah, yeah, it could be. be. I did I did really, the, the original film, like the, the first cut or the one of the rough cuts was four hours. So there might be that like this was explained in there somewhere. Um, Scott would have loved that, four hours. And I would have loved that. It would have been an epic. I reckon I could watch a four-hour adventure, but they always trim them down. So, <laughs> got to keep it. Got to keep the Scots, you know, entertained. Absolutely, got a short attention span. Um, yeah. Last one, or second last one, the wooden landing that Abigail landed on when Ben dropped her before he, mm-hmm. um, before he Save saved the uh, Declaration of Independence. Would it really? Was it really that safe? Every, no, absolutely not. But that one was safe as houses, <laughs> and very much uh, Indiana Jones three vibes there, where. He let her go to make sure he saved the prize, which is sort of sort of similar in the way yeah. what happened at the end of Indiana Jones 3. But anyway. Yeah, there's definitely mirror there. Uh, and so last one, and this is just a curiosity thing that I had. How do you claim that treasure? Like, is it really yours? Like, can you claim 10% well, or does it belong to the owners of the property or in this case probably the city of New York because it's in Coming. I think that's that's the whole point of the like you know that sort of thing. There's this this global treasure, like you know all this history, and that's what like you know Ben Gates's kind of like whole factor is. It's this history belongs to the world. All he wants to be really kind of known is remembered for finding it, for figuring it yep. out. 
So, Ass- you know, yeah. I think Assisted he's by in some film. ways a scientist. Yeah, with Anne Riley and, <laughs> and particularly Abigail. Um, that, I guess that's the, the key part. Like, he was never really after um, the money. He was just wanted to solve the mystery. Um, and that's like, you know, any good adventure film usually ends with that way. Like, they never get the treasure. Um, you you know, you go to Raiders of the Lost Ark, that kind of the, the arc gets put in a deep, dark storage somewhere. Um, Temple of Doom, they, they bring back the artifact for the mm. town. Uh, the hot grail falls down the canyon. Um, you know, the mummy, they get a little bit of the treasure, but everything else sinks under the sands of Egypt. Uh, the Mummy 2, that whole sort of massive... Oh, they get the massive diamond, I think. But, um, like, the whole sort of, you know, South Africa, you know, South American space kind of goes into the... No, South, not South African. Yeah, well, the African whole thing gets sucked up. Mm. Um, adventure films never end with them getting the riches. It's always either the knowledge that they've kind of solved something or, you know, their lives. Yep. That's the real reward. Maybe the real national treasure is the friends they made along the way. When you were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Actually, I think that's what is kind of odd about this film versus others is they get the money. They get like a, a portion of the mm. wealth. So, you know, usually it, it kind of some sort of, um, I don't know, writers feel that they can't have someone have, you know, break the status quo of the world's wealth or something like that. So they always kind of never get the treasure. Yeah. Um, not the full amount, but um, yeah. In this case, they did. Well, some of it. Hmm. Uh, the Goonies, they lost the yeah. boat. Yeah. Great movie. But they still had a little pouch of my marbles, enough to save the Goondocks. Great film. The film we could have <laughs> gone to had Glenn used Steven Spielberg properly. But anyway. Mm, indeed. Uh, trivia. Michael. Okay. Um, the movie includes footage from the first filming allowed in the Tower of Philadelphia's Independence Hall. Uh, when Ben and Riley are talking on the steps in front of the Olympic Memorial, the water in the reflecting pool was digitally added later. The pool had to be drained for maintenance at the time of filming. Um, this movie suggests that something is written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. It's true that something is written on the back. The writing of the back of the Declaration of Independence reads, Original Declaration of Independence dated 4th of July, 1776. So, and it's upside down. Um, no one knows what certain who wrote it, um, but it was probably as a some sort of like it was rolled up and stored, so you can go, oh yeah, that's the Declaration of Independence. We'll just pop that yeah, back on the don't shelf. Don't grab that one yet. Yeah, um, as probably picked up by people, Ben, Patrick, and John Gates were all named after founding fathers: Benjamin Franklin, Patrick Henry, and John Adams. Uh, Abigail Chase is a combination of Abigail Adams, a wife of John, and Samuel Chase, a signer of the Declaration of Independence and later an Associate Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, when Gates is purchasing a replica Declaration of Independence in the gift shop, on the counter next to the register is a stack of books for sale. The book is The Secret Architecture of the Nation's Capital by David Overson and is about the Masons and the building of Washington, D.C. Over, uh, Washington, D.C. Overson also wrote Secret Symbols of the Dollar Bill and the U.S. currency is used as one of the clues in the film. Um, the Timely Shadow, which is the Riley one, uh, clue is very unreliable, even with Riley's Daylight Saving Time clue. The shadow of the sun would be different depending on the seasons of the mm-hmm. year. Yep. It's just lucky they're kind of doing it at the same time. <laughs> uh, on, the, on the yellow piece of paper on which Ian was writing out a secret message uh, contained on the pipe from the Charlotte, uh, there was a drawn at the top of the page two cross swords with a circle between them. 
this drawing is a logo of Beam's hometown football club, Sheffield United, also known as the Blades. Uh, according to many references, no cameras are allowed in the National Archives due to a flash affecting the documents. Hmm. Um, okay. Oh, this is an interesting one. Um, in the movie, when John Adam Gates is telling young Benjamin Franklin Gates about the treasure, he says they knew they had to make sure the treasure would never fall into the hands of the British. So they devise a series of clues and maps to its location. The whole course of the movie involves keeping the clues and treasure away from Ian, who was British. Um, which is like, you know, which is a good hmm. one. Like I thought like, you know, there was like often, I think particularly that era, like b- being English was a villain, like, you know, it was often a trope. So, um, along with the Gates family, all the, uh, all being named after founding fathers, Ian's last name was Howe, the last name of the two brothers who were British general and admiral in the Revolutionary War. Um, one can purchase national treasure at the actual National uh, Archives gift shop. <laughs> Again, a love letter to the um, to the United States. Uh, while Gates is attempting to decipher the first clue on the board uh, on the board the Charlotte on board the Charlotte, Shaw suggests prison. Then Riley says Albuquerque. See, I can do it too. Snorkel. Uh, this is a reference to Weird Al Yankovic's song Albuquerque about a man's journey to Albuquerque to retrieve his lucky snorkel. <laughs> Um, uh, we're getting to the we're getting to the end of the tree now, aren't we? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. Oh, um, gosh. Uh, during a press junket, when asked if he believed the treasure existed, Sean Bean replied, "It's probably in Sheffield." Um, and what's the last one? Oh, um. When Ben, Abigail, and Riley are seen entering Philadelphia, they are crossing the Benjamin Franklin Bridge and nod to the Founding Fathers theme in the movie. I mean, the whole thing was a nod to the Founding Fathers. So yeah. One more. <laughs> Just one more nod. That we didn't know. Yeah. That's it. Beautiful. All right. Time for our final thoughts and ratings. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic movie, 0 being a terrible movie, and 5 being somewhere in between. Uh, I'll go last because I did choose this movie. Glenn. I'll go with you first. Okay. Um, I've just got here nothing too special. A couple of good sequences. Uninspired cast overall. Not a lot Not a lot different to similar treasure hunt movies. Would have liked some more humour or maybe a surprise or two. And five and a half out of ten. 5.5. Michael. Mm. Wow. Um, I thought National Treasure like is is like a a fun you know family rollick you know in terms of um, your adventure films. Um, I think it fits with the the genre like you often character light, but really we're looking to get the next clue, the next sequence, um, and and to unravel the mystery. So um, I think it's a it's a fun film. There's you know there is actually humour in there, Glenn. Um, no, and that's more, provided by a number of characters. A little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, you know, all films good, but, you know, particularly for a dark comedy. Um, but, yeah, like, it was, I enjoyed it. Um, we'll watch again uh, probably 8 out of 10. Hmm. 8 out of 10 from Michael. Yep. Uh, for me, this is a 7, um, which I think is slightly more than I gave Sahara. And I'd say Glenn mentioned Sahara yeah, before. I, mean, I think they're they're pretty much on for me. They're pretty much on par. Um, I'd probably go this one just ahead 
only because I think Sahara had a lot more, it was a lot more convoluted. We had a couple of different things going on and... Um, well, yeah, and which is in the nature of the Cussler like, live. It, yeah, and look, you're working off the source material, and I think I said it at the time, they probably should have focused on one or the other. Um, mm. But I, th- I, I think they're both really fun, enjoyable, watchable movies. This is a fun ride. I enjoy Nicolas Cage in this. Um, I think he works well. Does it have to be over two hours? Probably not. But overall, I think it's a solid <laughs> film, and for me it's a seven. Um, so if I add the 7, 8 and 5.5 from Glenn, that gives us a score of 20.5, which puts it into the... The bill curve. It puts it into the number, <laughs> the equal 12 position with Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, see, Edge of Tomorrow is way better. I love that film. Well, blame. That's Glenn again. Are you? Is Glenn the new Mr. Negative? Oh, yeah, comfortably. Um, well, <laughs> see, Glenn throws up. Glenn's able to throw. He's got an ability to throw his Mister Negative out because he throws tens around willy nilly <laughs> whenever he wants to. Um, so yeah, so, so this one sits in the equal twelve position. This is behind, just behind John Wick on twenty one point. John Wick two, sorry, on twenty one, uh, and just ahead of Die Hard four point zero on twenty. Uh, Scream is still our number one rated movie on 28, Baby Driver 26.5, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, rounds out our top three on 23.5, and Knock Knock is still our worst movie. Easily. It's a terrible film. (sighs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) socials, obviously we can be found on lots of places. Most importantly, go to our website, cinematicleap.com, where you can get access to all or not all, but a lot of different platforms that you can listen to. You can also listen to it directly from the website if you wish, but we are on Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I think we're on Stitcher, is it, Glenn? Amazon, yeah, all those. Yep, We're in a lot of places, so mm. please. Except your house. Yeah. That's probably for the best. Uh, so please <laughs> search us out. If there is somewhere where you'd like us to be and we're not, please let us know that you prefer us to be. Uh, we can be found on Twitter, at Cinematic Leap is our handle, and obviously on Facebook, just search for Cinematic Leap. All right, Michael, it's now time for our... Cinematic Leap. All right, so I get to sit this one out. Glenn gets to choose The Leaper, and then Michael gets to choose the movie. This is the last movie before we get to go on our triumvirates, our three-peats. Yes. Triumphant? Yep. Yeah. Well, we get to pick three movies in a row, but this is the last one before we get to do that. So, Michael, you get to choose the movie, but Glenn, who are we leaping with this week? I'm going to do something different this time. You're going to pick someone who's in the most of the movie? Well, no, actually, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, what I'm going to do is let you choose, Michael. Get out. I can't do that. I'm going to give you two options. Oh, Okay. Okay, and I'm not going to give you names. That's too. That's too easy. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you two options. One. Uh-huh. One of them is from one of the core cast members. Yeah. Yeah. Or your other choice. And don't you? Are you looking at the cast right now? Maybe. Don't look at it because. Okay. The the other the other option is the person that plays Franklin Institute guard. So you have two options, one of the main cast or the person who plays the Franklin Institute guard. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Glenn. 
Which way are you going, Michael? So you can't put, Frank, you can't put this on me. Guard. You can't put this on me. Um, Franklin Institute guard or one of the main casts. Look, I'm, I think I'm going to have to make you pick one of the main cast. I think I just have to. All right. Harvey Keitel. Yep. Let's do it. Harvey Keitel. Who was the who was the Franklin guard? Jody House. Jody House. Mm. Jody House. Yeah. Who's you picked uh, you picked Harvey Keitel, so we're going with that. The other one was in a movie called Children of Men. Oh, I love Children of Men. <laughs> uh, well, the option, you know. Oh, son of a bitch. Damn it. Oh, well. <laughs> Harvey Keitel it is. Yeah. I'll get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, ooh, okay. There's a bit, bit of variety here. Um, not a stack of stuff I've seen. Hmm. I uh, I quite oh, like Harvey wow. Keitel. Harvey Keitel. I think he's quite good in a lot of movies. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is a big fan. Mm. Yeah. That's taken me a while to get back to the top. Um. Well, I'm not doing Pulp Fiction. That's a that's a hard pass. Um, no. Oh, so Reservoir Dogs, all right. Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious <laughs> Bastards, no. From Dusk Till Dawn, Michael. Ooh. Sister Act, would be something different. Copland, Copland's a good movie. Well, I mean, he's, oh, this is going to go a weird. Um, I'm going to do a Glenn in some ways. Oh. I'm actually going to pick some. Oh, I don't know how long he's in it. Um, he's in Taxi Driver. the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. Yeah. And um, the Grand Buddhist Pusto to like it's uh, directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, Wes Anderson, and he is when he does a film, it's visually stunning. Um, and I feel the the media teacher and filmmaker in me would be doing us a disservice if we didn't look at him as a filmmaker. And it's going to be an interesting ride because it's a um, he has an interesting way of telling stories, um, and they're offbeat. Um, but I think like something different and like you know also you know we get to see some interesting colorful cinematic you know storytelling so yeah grand budapest hotel out of left field wow looks mm. like it's got a very good cast uh to oh, yeah, from like too yeah um and you get you know bill murray jeff goldblum like some great people in there and um yeah but it's really like, I remember, I remember, I've only seen it once, but it's like, you know, it's funny. Um, and it's visually, like, his style is just, like, he's uh, he's an artist. He's like, when, when they talk about directors and um, and auteurs, he is, he is one of the ones that people are hot up at the moment. So, yeah. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow. Directed by Wes Jameson. Well, I haven't seen it, so. Hmm. Or you could pick the piano. <laughs> well, I'm not picking the piano. <laughs> or, or Thelma and Louise or Little, little Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're going to the oh, Grand Budapest oh, Hotel. Oh, there's an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, well, yeah, okay, never mind. Hmm. Interesting. No, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it, so it'll be uh, interesting to see. And look, Glenn, it does give you plenty of options to leave I from. I guess so. Mm. I guess so, yeah. And look, you know, even just going with Anderson, like you can actually pick someone who's, you know, go into his, some of his work. It'll be great. Has he um, done any bit parts in movies that Glenn might lead to or...? Probably. Ooh, yes. <laughs> but I do know he's actually directed some of the films that Glenn likes, so. <laughs> mm, interesting. 
All right. What's well, I've said you are worldling, so it'll be good. Oh, he's good an on. actor. In- That's on Disney too, which is good. Mm. All right. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You when you hopefully when you listen to us next time, we will be reviewing the movie Grand the is it the Grand Budapest Hotel? The, the Grand, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. Hotel. So, yeah. Thank you all. Till next time. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap. <laughs>